Oh yeah. Hi Brie. Hi Anthony. Welcome to the Review Podcast. My name is Anthony. And I'm Brie. And this is a podcast in which we review movies. And then we review the movies. Oh yes we do. And boy do we have a movie for you today. Um, we watch movie in this podcast. I'm screwing up the intro. <laughs> I, I went off script for a second and now I screwed it up. So um, we're, we're going to keep uh, screw it. We'll do it live. Um, this is a podcast in which we review movies. We pick a movie that one of us has seen at least one time and then we watch it and then we chat about it. The good, the bad, the ugly, and some stuff that we appreciate about the movie. Normally, our conversation is pretty positive about the movies. We don't like to poo-poo. Except for when Brie watches any Paul Thomas Anderson movie. Hey, I like the last one. <clears throat> yeah, but oh boy, did you dislike Magnolia. Oh yeah. I told you you were going to dislike that too. I know, too. you can't set me up for that. Yeah, well, how are you today, Brie? I'm doing okay. Yeah? Yeah, I mean... We, we were having some technical difficulties before re recording this podcast. We I have a janky system for how we actually record the podcast, so... I record a video of us, you know, having the conversation. I edit that video, finalize it, raise the volume on it, finalize it again, and then convert it to an audio modem and upload it to RSS feed. Um, that's a janky way. It's got to change, but I'm lazy and I don't feel like changing it. And we were having some technical difficulties before the podcast where the video, um, part of like the introductory part of our podcast where I have to record the video. It, it wasn't working. So it's a little frustrating, but we're back and we're good and we're golden. Pony boy. Oh yeah. Um, so anything interesting going on, Brie? I mean, I'm just stressed out about the wedding, doing wedding stuff. You're stressed out for reasons that you shouldn't be stressed out for. You're stressed I... out because today the issue with the shuttle for our hotel and it's not really an issue, honestly. It is if you want everyone to, like, drink and have a good time. I mean, they can still do that, but they have to be responsible in their own way. So, no, but if, if people are... So the whole issue with the shuttle is that because of COVID, the hotel said we have... Like, when we booked the hotel... They said no shuttle. They said no shuttle. Well, now we inquired about if the shuttle is back. And what did they say? Yes, but... It's usually a first come first serve, so they have to go through all their contracts for that weekend and see if, like, who signed the contract first, so that that wedding will get the shuttle. I'm pretty sure we're good. I mean, I'm, I'm I want to believe that if I booked a year out because they told me you couldn't do it before a year. I mean, we booked it in what, like, October, yeah. November of. 2021 so i'm like i'm hoping i'm crossing my fingers and toes and then i have to figure out what i'm doing for we need to finalize the rehearsal dinner space we need i need to figure out a nails place that i want to take the girls to the day before the wedding so we can get our nails done together i gotta inquire about group pricing for a haunted house i have to do all this like little stuff for like the stuff leading up to the wedding and then this weekend i'm gonna get started on centerpieces and get started on like all the real big 
like stuff I've been putting off. You're gonna you're gonna have a lot of time this weekend. I know without he's going, me. He's going on his bachelor party weekend. Oh yeah, we are um, going to Nashville. Nashville, TN. Uh, I don't really know what's planned. I don't think much is planned. Uh, not that very I want, different. From- not that I wanted much to be planned, but there are some stuff that they're not telling me about the council of groomsmen. And for the most part, uh, one of my best men texted me a few weeks back and he's like, what do you want to do for your, uh, what do you want to do for your bachelor party? And I was like, I don't really care. Like as long as everyone's together, like whatever you guys want to do, I had a couple of rules, a couple of rules. First rule, no adult entertainment. I don't want to be forced into anything adult entertainment uh, related. They want to do that. They can. I don't want anything forced because it's uncomfortable and I don't like it. Second rule was I don't want to be forced to drink anything. Like I'll be cool with whatever. I'm going to play along. However, I don't want people to be, oh yeah, take a shot, take a shot. Because I'll say no. <laughs> and they have to respect the no. So those those were my rules basically. Well, hopefully they follow them. Yeah. Um, very different from my bachelorette weekend, which is happening in July, um, where we have an itinerary that tells you exactly what we're going to do it at all times of the day. Yeah, I have no clue we, what we're it doing. It has everywhere we're going to eat, everything that we're doing, like literally the first you, day we you get women, there. You women in your itineraries. Listen, when... You know there's like an itinerary. I'm making the wedding itinerary. Yes, I know. And then I'm also doing a wedding binder that has... All the contact information for all the important people, all the ad- addresses for all the places people have to go, like the timeline for the groomsmen and the timeline for the bridesmaids about when everyone's getting ready. The groomsmen have time to just chill. I'm thinking about like organizing an activity for you guys to do in the morning. Like get the venue set up? Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. So a couple years ago, we went out of town for like our spring break to a quaint town in Illinois um, called Galena. And, uh, it was going to be like a little, like kind of weekend getaway for us. Not too much money. You know, we could drive there and Brie made an itinerary of at this time, we're going to go to the shops at this time. We're coming back from the shops at this time. We're going to go to dinner at this time. We're going to come back from dinner. And I was like, I want to sleep. (laughs) Just give me time to sleep in Uh, since then. I've been very critical of Brie of her itinerariness. Everything needs to have a time. Everything needs to be it's planned very, out. Very anal. Okay, listen though. Like our wedding needs to be like you need to know when everyone needs to be ready. Well, yeah, well, I'm under the impression as I've been telling a lot of my groomsmen like we're just going to be screwing around. Or as well, like I t- I was talking to one of my best men who lives in Arizona and we were talking about um you know, when he's going to come. And I, I had sent the groomsmen a mass text saying like, here are the dates, like this Friday before we have the rehearsal dinner. And then that Saturday is our actual wedding day. I was like, those two days are really the only ones you need to reserve. However, our venue, you know, some, you know, BS happened where we can't actually do a rehearsal of the wedding in the chapel at the venue because something's going on that Friday, but we can do it Thursday. No requirement to be there on that Thursday, but we would please be there, please on, be there on that Thursday. Um, so I was talking to one of my best men who lives in Arizona, and he was saying, 
you know, it, it depends on, you know, flights and it depends on that, but he's going to try to be there, um, for the rehearsal dinner. And I was like, I, as long as you're there the day of, like the, it, it's just a dinner. We have very different views on this. I think it should be required that <laughs> everyone goes to the rehearsal dinner because if you don't rehearse with us, how do you know what you're supposed to do? But as, as I told him, rehearsal is just walk here and stand here, which I can tell him in my backyard, you know, like, uh, for, I guess for you guys, it might be a little bit different. I don't know. I don't know. For me, it's just like, you're going to be walking with this person after this person, then you'll go walk slowly, stand in this spot and that's it. That's all you need to do. Yeah, I, I'm because we're not doing like a mass. It's not a, it's not a Catholic ceremony or Protestant ceremony. I'm glad because they talk about children way too much, and I don't like having to get up, sit down, get up, sit down. So I'm just gonna be like the last married. wedding we went to. Oh yeah, just marry me. I don't care. I just want to get like. Marry I just wanna have, me. <laughs> I just want to have the after party. <laughs> um, Noise. When we were at the last wedding a few weeks back, man, we both said listening because it was a Catholic ceremony. And they have the mass and everything. But wow, that priest mentioned like having kids so many times. And I was, I told, Bree and I were talking and saying like, it's almost like they were trying to say like, the only reason you're getting married is to procreate. And it's like, that's not why a lot of people get married. Right? Yeah, but I think it's why the people in the Catholic Church get married. What a horrible life. Like, (sighs) I say this with love too. Any Catholic listening. Um, what a horrible, like, I guess, I don't want to say lifestyle, but I can't think of another word for it, where it's like, you live, you get married, you have baby, and then that's it. <laughs> no other, like, goals, aspirations, like, this is why you're here, to have baby. And I just think that's weird. Hence why we're not having a Catholic ceremony. No, we're not having a Catholic ceremony because you said no. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I only have so much power. Like, you think I have a lot of power. You, you don't want... You told me you didn't want a Catholic ceremony. That was only because you didn't want one. You said, I don't want to... I don't want to have to go to church for six months. Oh, yeah, I didn't want Leading to up to the wedding because that's like a requirement. And I don't... I don't want people in our business because you have to go through like marriage class. <laughs> The Catholic I don't Church. need people in my business. I don't need people in my business. I shouldn't have to get the approval of a priest to be able to marry you. You know, that's like our own decision. Why would the priest say no? Would the in what circumstance would the priest say like no? I'm not going to give my blessing to ordain. Maybe if we were like, I don't know, obviously fighting. <laughs> Maybe. Or had different views on children and, like, a future. Because I think they asked about that separately. Oh, really? Oh, they ask you, like, individually? Yeah, like, if you want children. How many kids do you want? Two. I would be fine with one, but... We're having two. (laughs) 
As long as you're not going above two. Oh no! After two, take this ute out of me. Oh my gosh! <laughs> oh my god! Take the ute away. I know there's like a bunch of people that are like, I have like six, seven kids. I don't know how you do it. I would throw up. Like your family's pretty large. Your immediate family's pretty large. My mom had four children, and she. That is for to me. That's pretty large. Well, Julie was an accident, so um, there was only supposed to be three of us. <laughs> And my mom was like, three is perfect. Surprise, four. <laughs> uh, interesting. That's why she got away with so much shit growing up. Wrecker. Other than all that, like, wedding stuff, anything else been going on? Um. With me, I, li- I literally do nothing all day I now work. that I'm on summer break. I work. I mean, work is work. I mean, it's, it makes me feel good that, like, no one bothers me because I know I have, like, my stuff together. Mm-hmm. And so no one comes in my classroom really to bug me, which is great because I'm like, why are you coming in my classroom to bug me? Please leave me alone. Yeah. Um, I also, like, I wish I was doing summer school. I'm bummed that I wasn't able to do it this year because my grad classes interfered with the summer school schedule. So I had to choose one, and it's like... It's easier to just not do summer school than to ask the entire university to change their schedule for me. So I'm a little bummed out. It gives me something to do. And right now I feel like I just like hang out in the house with the dog. Oh, all I can't day. wait. That's like my <laughs> my whole July. My plan is to um, go to the pool at my parents. Even though it's, a, it's an hour away. I'm going to go to the pool. I'll spend the whole day there. I told them I was like, if I'm driving an hour... Why don't you just go to the community center by us? I mean, but it's also like to spend time with my parents. Oh, yeah. I'm like, if I'm going, I'm going to be there for overnight or something. Like, stay. So, my July is going to be fun. I'm going to be like, I bet. I bet. I'll be busy. I have class from 9 to 12. and Not every day. No, Tuesdays and Thursdays. But the way that the summer classes go, it's very, very fast-paced. So... I'm going to be busy all July. Um, all right. Well, I guess we should get into it. Let's get we into we it. have had a very uneventful like, yes. week. <laughs> you, well, it's only been like, what, like less than a week since we recorded the podcast last. Right. So we're kind of like, I don't usually, know, nothing new take, has happened. Yeah. Usually we take like extended break. Like we knock a couple out at once and then take like extended breaks so that when we come back to record a few more, we have like more stories to tell. Um, it's just an uneventful couple of days, I guess. Um, I, you know, it is what it is. Anyway, why don't we get down to it? I don't foresee this podcast being oh, yeah, crazy long. So we watched Tim Burton's. Frank and Weenie, both of them. Yes. So to ca- as, as last week we capped off the Paul Thomas Anderson series with Licorice Pizza. Today we will be capping off our Tim Burton series with both versions of Frank and, Frank and Weenie, with more of an emphasis on the animated 2012 movie Frank and Weenie. Because we watched both of them for science. Um <laughs> And they're literally the same, except the animated version added, like, a subplot. They're almost shot for shot. Like, the same the movie. The same movie. Except, and it's like, 
we watched the animated one before we watched the short film live action. So to give a little bit of background information into Frank and Weenie, Frank and Weenie was one of Tim Burton's first live action short films, 25 minute short film uh, from 1984, um, surprisingly starring Shelley Duvall, which was weird because like in 1984, she's kind of a big name actress, I would assume. She had like come off of The Shining in the 70s and Popeye and everything. So surprising that for a 25-minute short film, Tim Burton was able to get Shelley Duvall in like a very minor role too. Like she doesn't have that big of a part. So I thought that was interesting off of like, right off the cuff, I was like, oh, Shelley Duvall's in this. Interesting. Um, 1984 short film, Frank and Weenie live action. It's black and white. Um, it shot pretty standard. There's really nothing super spectacular about it. Nothing that really says, ooh, this is Tim Burton's style, but that's because it was like one of his first things that he's ever done. So the Frankenweenie movie, you know, is released and captures the attention of Paul Rubens, who uh, stars as Pee Wee Herman. And Paul Rubens reaches out to, or gets people to reach out to Tim Burton. And it's because of Frankenweenie that Tim Burton gets to direct Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Uh, later in the 80s, and then we get everything kind of spirals from that point forward. He does Pee-wee, and then Beetlejuice, and then Batman, and so on and so forth. So Frankenweenie can kind of be traced back as Tim Burton's, like, very first major success. The thing, the catalyst that leads him to the career that he's had. So kind of an important, notable beginning of his career. Short, short film for the beginning of his career that years later, almost 30 years later, in 2012, Disney comes to him with an opportunity to uh, direct a feature version of Frankenweenie. Remake it, do it the way you want to do it, and we'll release it. And this Frankenweenie, the one that, the animated one that's re-released, does have those typical Tim Burton elements to it. It's also in black and white. They wanted to stick with the black and white as the original was also in black and white. So it was um, important that this film be in black and white, but we have the more Burton-esque features. We have that stop motion. Um, Classic there. stop motion that you would see in like Nightmare on, uh, not Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, Nightmare Before Christmas or which Corp he produced, Corpse Bride. Which he produced Nightmare Before Christmas. He didn't direct it and that's why that wasn't a movie on our list. Yes. Um, we had talked about Nightmare Before Christmas because I, I thought Tim Burton directed it. No, he produced it. And then you it. told me he didn't. Um, but it's similar to like Corpse Bride, which I think he did direct in the early 2000s, um, which I wrote down like the, the puppets and the models in Frankenweenie have the classic Tim Burton style of like thin limbs, big head, big eyes, sunken eyes. And all of them imperfect. You can see that they are stop motion mm -hmm. because they have like creases where there shouldn't be creases and scratch marks where there shouldn't be scratch yeah. marks. Like you can tell that these were made like, and this is not just animation. Right. These are handcrafted puppets made specifically for the purpose of stop motion. Yeah. Interestingly enough, Brie, I had mentioned this to you when we started watching the movie. This is the first animated film that we've done on the podcast. So kind of a, You're welcome. a, a first for us. You're welcome, everyone. <laughs> so there's a lot, I think, to talk about with animation in, in this movie and kind of the tone that it sets in this movie. 
there's been this like big debate recently of should animated movies be for kids like is frank and weenie a kids movie would you say i mean it's it was for marketed towards children um or do you think that is this a movie that's specifically geared towards children or is it geared towards a wider audience i think it's geared towards a wider audience so do i um i think that's probably we've talked about this before the biggest misunderstanding of animation is only for children and that's why so many children went and saw sausage party oh no a, oh, really did they a, yeah that was like a whole thing well, that, and that that's why like, because I think back parents to my don't understand like just because it's animated doesn't mean it's for children exactly and i think back to my childhood and it's like what were the animated things that i was drawn to family guy the simpsons south park adult animation right and i think there was this notion especially for me as a child that oh it's animated and i'm not supposed to watch it so like <laughs> let's let's watch it I probably happened the same way for kids with sausage party where it's like, I'm not supposed to watch it. I'm not it. supposed to watch it, but it's animated. So maybe I can get away with it and I can get mom to take me to the theater. Cause that's and kind then, of how I played it. And then mom <laughs> walks out of the theater 10 minutes in. Yeah. Awkward, awkward experiences. Do you remember when we saw pop star? Yes. Never stop. Oh never stopping. God. That was so funny. So we went and saw pop star and it was just like girl and her mom. And like, this little I, girl who's very like a teenager to, to me very clearly just a lonely island fan like teenager lonely island fan sitting with their mom they both got up during the song about bin laden f bin laden yeah yeah uh, i i was watching them and i was thinking to myself we were, we were kind of like looking at each other like how long before how these long? people walk out because we like we noticed like she's young she looked to be probably about 13 14 mm-hmm so, like, definitely not the 17 years old you have to be to go see a rated R movie. Yes. So, mom had to go with. I just don't understand why parents don't just buy a movie ticket for your kid and then leave. You're not supposed to do that. That's why. I would buy. I would <laughs> you can buy. Get, you can get in a lot of trouble I buy for my that. Buy my ticket. Buy my kid's ticket. Have my kid go in and I just book it. Mm-hmm. See you when the movie's done. We used to do that all the time when I was in, like, the seventh grade and we'd try to see, like, Final Destination or something in theaters. They were a little looser when i like when we were kids about who they let into the theater or um what theaters you could get into i remember like when i was a preteen i guess like sixth seventh or eighth grade at the movie theaters they would have the posters in front of the theater that is showing the movie so it's like if harry potter was at theater seven the poster would be right out in front but then they figured out that people would double dip People would go buy a ticket for this movie, go see that movie, and then just walk right across the hall to Harry Potter because they knew that Harry Potter's in that theater. So they stopped taking the posters or they stopped putting the posters up in front of the theaters to try to stop that. They used to be very loosey-goosey about... I miss those days. I miss the days where you could go to the movies and then after you went and saw a movie, jump into another movie double dipping yeah, yeah i miss those you can't do that anymore i miss the days where you used to like buy a ticket and then wait in line for like the premiere we did that the last time we had to do that was avengers endgame i think when we went to see that like we stood in line for endgame 
And I, I kind of miss that because but I, it's a little bit different now because you can reserve your seats. I know. And I like there's something about like I appreciate reserving your seat. There's just something about like going to the theater and having to get in line and like running to first like, come first. Yeah. Serve. Running to your spot. And like, I, I agree with that. But don't you think it's just like it's nice that you get to just pick your seats and you don't have to worry about fighting people. Unless you're us that one time we picked our seats and then someone sat in our seats and then he wouldn't get up out of our seats. And I had to go get the manager. And so we had to go get the manager. Like, manager, please. Um, That guy got so mad. That was when we went and saw um, Power Rangers. No, that was when we saw Thor. Are you sure? I thought it was Power Rangers. God, we went to see so many movies back in the time period of college. So, I, I, I guess, like, I missed... I miss that time, but I also am like, yeah, I'm cool with like buying, reserving my seats. I used to hate it, like when it was first starting to become a thing. And I still hate it. I miss the old ways. Now that I'm older and wiser, I'm like, yeah, I, I dig it now, and I think it's it's better to do that. Where were we, what were you we talking about? Um, oh God, we went movies. into animation, animation. animation. So. Animation traditionally, I mean, it's been different for different cultures, right? So, like, in the West, in the, in the United States, we have often thought of animation as being traditionally a format that you would present to kids. It's more recently that we've been kind of changing that notion, and we've been accepting that animation can be for a wider audience it doesn't necessarily have to be geared towards kids and i love that we're moving in that direction as a society too because then you get things like steven universe where or adventure time where this is a show on cartoon network and you can market it for kids but it really has a message for adults exactly to the to the point where anthony Boohooed like a little baby when at Steven the end of Universe, Steven Universe. Yeah, oh my Steven god! Universe I well, well, that was a culmination of like everything that was going on at that moment. Well, we watched it during the pandemic, during lockdown, during lockdown, <laughs> like at the start of the pandemic. We and Anthony was having a hard time. It was rough. It was rough. Um, so I bawled like I'm very open about that. I've told my I students remember, about like, that. I like held him, <laughs> like I held Anthony, like as he cried. There was just, uh, to me, it was just like, sometimes when you watch a movie or a TV show and you resonate so much with what's going on or the decisions that the characters make, it impacts you on an emotional level. You cry at everything. I cry at everything, but I, I'm an emotional person. Who <laughs> you was... cry at literally, you, okay, so you did cry twice, I think, in Frankenweenie. Oh my God. Okay. So but when, we'll get, we'll get into well, why. Let, let, let me talk about You cried in Man of Steel when Pa Kent got eaten by the tornado. Okay, listen. Twister was one of the scariest movies I've ever watched in my entire life. And now tornadoes and anything scare the living bejesus out of me. But I cried because when we were watching Frank and Weenie, it dawned on me. This is about like a freaking like dog that dies and comes back to life. Why did I pick this? You did say that. You're like, I don't know why I picked this. I was like, why did I pick this? I'm like, no, I was like, the dog not only dies once, it dies again. So when things like media resonates with you and that's not a bad thing to be emotional. With me and Steven Universe, it was I 
resonated so much with the character choice at the end of Steven Universe Future to say, I am, for Steven to say, I am better off trying to find my own path rather than sticking with what I'm comfortable with. Mm-hmm. And because that's how I felt when I went to college. And oh, he's getting emotional right now. I'm not going. I'm not getting Anthony's emotional. Anthony's going to cry on the pod. Oh, stop. I'm not going to cry. You're going to cry on the pod. I'm not going to cry on the pod. I haven't seen Anthony cry for like two weeks. Um, he... For like two weeks? When yeah. was the last? Uh, t- oh, yeah. Shush. Um, <laughs> I didn't cry. I didn't cry Anthony, in that moment. you cried. I didn't cry. You did cry. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. I stopped myself from crying. No, he was crying. I did not cry. Anthony got upset at, at himself, so he was crying. <laughs> <laughs> and he cried <laughs> i told him i was like if you don't cry when i walk down the aisle i'm punching you but back to our conversation <laughs> like it's not a bad thing when some a piece of art affects you on an emotional level but animation itself can be i feel like we're opening tabs and like closing them and <laughs> trying to get back to our point so on a, animation typically in the west has been geared towards family or geared towards kids in in somewhere like japan with japanese animation or anime then that like that stuff's not for kids or geared towards kids kids watch it kids watch one piece but it's a little bit more adults in theme you know what i mean so again closing our tab getting back to our point animation frankenweenie is an animated film that I don't think is necessarily geared towards kids. It's not a kids movie. You can show a. I think it's a great movie to show kids to introduce them to certain things that we're going to talk about later on. But I also think that if I were to watch, if I were to watch this as a 26 year old man, as I am now, then I'm going to enjoy it. We can all relate to Victor's like emotions and like we can all uh, yeah we can all relate. everybody loves something yeah everybody loves something yeah lee everybody loves everybody <laughs> so let's get into it sure so frank and weenie the remake almost shot for shot remake of tim burton's 1984 short film in a stop motion animated animated format uh very in line with tim burton's previous style and artistic style it's almost as if Tim Burton learned a lot and developed his style and then revisited this movie and kind of implanted that style into his previously made short film. So uh, 2012 movie comes out and directed and I assume written by Tim Burton starring... I don't think he wrote it. You don't think he wrote it? No, I believe someone else wrote... I did not look it up. Wrote it and they asked him like to have like... to direct it and like obviously he probably did work on it but i feel like someone else came up with the con the wider concept yeah the three, like a three-act his, structure yeah. making a 90-minute film out of a 25 or 25 minute short film um kind of interesting stuff little background information that brie and i both read on the wikipedia about this that when you make stop motion you have to like build the miniatures, right? And like you have to build the little miniature sets. What do they say that this took like three sound stages of of different sets that they had? Was it three or was it five? Oh, I think it was three. three. I don't remember seeing five. It was like a lot of like 
they had like three sound stages, all different, like big, huge set pieces. Yeah, which is interesting too because like I watched a behind the scenes like making of, and it's not only that they used a created set for the miniatures, but they also put the miniatures in front of green screen at certain points too. So when there's like lightning flashing or there's rain falling, stuff that they couldn't necessarily um, create a set for, that's when you put your stop motion and you mix it with computer generated effects, which is kind of cool. Uh, a bit innovative to me. I don't know if people have done that in the past, but I haven't heard of stop motion using green screen at all. They didn't use that on Nightmare Before Christmas? Green screen? Yeah. I'm not sure. I would have to do that research, but... Because I feel like because it snows. Yeah, that's a good point. I guess I'm not as knowledgeable about it, but it's to, I've never heard of people doing that before this movie. Um, so... I guess that's something we would have to look up at a later time. <clears throat> However, um, who stars in this movie? Uh, Winona Ryder is Winona in the movie. Ryder. Uh, Martin Short, uh, Catherine O'Hara, and gosh, uh, the little kid from The Middle. The Middle? The, the TV show on ABC, The Middle. Oh. He's in the movie. And, uh, shoot, Martin Landau. Martin Landau is in this movie. So, kind of some big name people. Um, kind of some big name people in this. No Johnny Depp. If you were to put Johnny Depp in this movie, as if you were Tim Burton, who would you cast Johnny Depp as? Um, it, this would be a hard one. Because you would probably go towards Victor, but I think his voice is too mature. No, Victor's gotta be a kid. Yeah, so... I wouldn't. I don't. Wouldn't know where to put him. I maybe would cast Johnny Depp as the teacher. Oh yeah, that might have been a good one. Mm -hmm. He could. He, I think Johnny he didn't Depp look like. But the he. Teacher. I think he's too big of a name for that. I don't know. Tom Kenny played in this movie. Who's Tom Kenny played? The fire chief. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Wait, you didn't recognize the fire chief? And something else, like because people played multiple. Yeah. Roles. He played something else as well. Mm hmm. So that's another point in this, that the voice cast in this movie, almost all of them play multiple roles. But let's get down to the nitty gritty. Uh, Tim Burton's classic style in this movie, in the miniature, sunken eyes, long shaped faces. They're almost like caricature-esque. And I think the first thing that I want to point out as we get down to the essence of the movie is kind of a different way of portraying the characters than I think Tim Burton has done in the past with a lot of his characters. The one thing I noticed is that Victor's parents are super cool. Yeah. <laughs> the only issue I had with Victor's parents was like, dad just really wanted him to try sports. Dad wants him to come out of his shell a well, little bit. Cause in the, it's uh, not necessarily that he wants him to try sports. He wants him to try something In comparison new. to the... Because now that live this is a, action, yeah, in the live action, the parents were excited that he was that he liked filmmaking. Like it would, he had friends over watching the film he made too. And whereas in the animated version, he showed it to just his parents, and his parents were concerned because he doesn't really have any friends except for Sparky, his dog, and they wanted him to go out and meet someone and dad wanted to do it through sports i was like mm -hmm. there's nothing else he could do but for the most part don't you think like victor's parents are 
much different than some of the, uh, maybe not Edward Scissorhands, but like they're not negligent. You know what I mean? Like uh, the the parents in Beetlejuice were Winona Ryder's parents in Beetlejuice were. They're not they're not negligent to their kids emotions they're not negligent to their kids no because they social ability because <laughs> they do say like we know this is hard for you and like but they don't get him in therapy which i don't know and they're actually like very supportive of his filmmaking like they they take the time to put on their 3d glasses and uh watch the movie that he made and they're like really proud of him and everything so i think like this is a much different version of parenting than we've seen in prior Tim Burton movies, maybe with the exception of Edward Scissorhands, because like the family that Edward walks into, not his own family, not his own family, adoptive family, they're really supportive of him. Mm -hmm. But Victor's parents to me are like just really freaking cool. Yeah, they just really want they, him. To they they very clearly love him. Yes. So we have Victor, and like. He's pretty normal kid, has this dog, Sparky, which is an English Bull Terrier, is the type of dog that it is, the target dog, if you will. Um, it's the same dog that targets mascot. Oh, is that really the same dog? Yeah. Oh, I'm thinking back to the live action one. Yes, it is the same dog. Yes, so it's the same dog. Just, it looks funky. It's Tim Burton style, like... Our, well, we had Kaido watching with us and like Kaido will bark. This was a horrible decision. I know. So Kaido will bark whenever there's a dog on screen and he kept barking at this animated dog. I was like, Kaido doesn't even look like a dog. Why are you barking at it? <laughs> yeah. So Sparky to me, I think one of the really cool things about this area, this environment that we're walking into in this, this world that we have set up in this movie Everyone's also, like, really cool with Sparky. Oh, everyone Sparky's, like, very well known through the, like, neighborhood and through this, like, small town. And we have some interest. So then we meet, like, he the goes, neighbor. he go to, like, he, we meet the neighbor, which is the mayor. And, and Bert is his name Burger, Burgermeister or something. Something animated evil guy. Like, he yeah. looks like the guy, uh, what is the, Heat Miser. Heat Miser from... Hi, Mister. Yeah. <laughs> the night Santa Claus came to town, or something. Yeah, Isn't and that, then, is that, I'm, and then I'm wrong. he's watching his niece, who is Elsa Van Helsing. Is like so. Let's preface this for a second. Almost everything in this movie is a reference to some kind of old school horror movie from like the 30s, 40s, or 50s. And I told Bree when we watched this. Going along with kind of what we were talking about with animation, while this isn't necessarily like 100% a kid's movie, if I had like a five or six year old and I wanted to introduce them to like old school horror, I might introduce them with it, with this movie in mind. You know what I mean? Where it's like the 1930s Dracula might be a little too much for like a five or six year old. But Frankenweenie isn't. Or the original Frankenstein or Bride of Frankenstein might be a little too much for like a small child, but Frankenweenie isn't. So this might, like to me, I could see this movie being a catalyst for a parent to say, 
I'm gonna in like ease them into the world of like old school horror, and then we then we can well, watch. Well, I can all also see is this being the catalyst for a kid getting into old school horror. Yeah, exactly. Because you have all these like old school horror like movie. literally everything is a reference. Every character is a reference. Every like way that the plot moves with the second and third act, everything is a reference. So for like the first thing we see obviously is Victor Frankenstein named after the titular character in the 1930s Frankenstein or Mary Shelley's Frankenstein or the modern Prometheus, which I never read. <laughs> so we get, we get introduced to all like the kids at his school. So you have Edgar. Oh, we didn't. Uh, Elsa Van Helsing is a reference to Dracula, the hunter, the vampire hunter, uh, Van Helsing. I don't know his first name. Do you know his first name? This is like a uh, very like... Is it not Victor? It's not Victor Van Helsing. She's looking it up right now. It's something Van... Von... God, I wanted to say Von Van Helsing. I want to say it starts with a V. Gabriel? Gabriel Van Helsing? That's his name? That's what it says here. In the original Dracula. Yeah. And Bram Stoker's Dracula. Gabriel Van Helsing. Yeah, I guess. All right, we're going to roll with it. It says Van Helsing is really the Archangel Gabriel. But that's not his first name, right? I don't and know. And Bram Stoker's Dracula? Frankenstein's monster. Van no, Helsing. no, Frankenstein's monster. Which, interestingly enough, I mentioned to Bree, I said, hey, you better not call the monster Frankenstein. That's not his name. I was like, why would I say that? His name is Sparky. His name is the monster. The the scientist is Frankenstein. He creates the monster. Did you find... Oh, Abraham. Abraham Van Helsing. Yeah, okay. That makes more sense, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. I'm acting as if I've seen these movies like recently <laughs> and I haven't. It's been a long time. So, but we have been playing the board game Horrified where all of these monsters show up. So we get introduced to a cast of characters. So we have the weird kid, Edgar Igor. Igor, a reference to Igor, the assistant to Dr. Frankenstein. However, fun fact... For any of our old school people that aren't prone to the old school horror, not the name of the assistant in the original Boris Karloff Frankenstein movie, that guy's name was Fritz. Igor doesn't show up until, I think, the third entry into the Frankenstein series, House of Frankenstein. So we get Igor. <laughs> She's like, shut up. <laughs> um, and we get we have like this weird girl with a cat. Whose name is just a weird girl. Yeah. Not weird. a reference to anything, I just don't think. Just weird girl. Yeah. Then we have, like, the bullies. Which they're is, not bullies. I wouldn't say like that they're bullies. A, like a rotund boy. There's a Bob. Bob. And then there is a one uh, kid. A very Asian stereotype. <laughs> which, who is played by an Asian man. Yes. Yes. So. His name is, I think, I wrote it down, uh, Tokoyashi. Yeah. Tokoyashi who I later found out through research is, because I didn't pick this up when I watched it. I'm not going to act like I know, knew the facts about it, but I did do a little bit of research. He, that character in itself is a reference to uh, old school horror. It's a reference to a man named 
Tomoyaki Tanaka, who is the creator of Godzilla. Makes oh. more sense, oh, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So mm-hmm. we'll we'll tell you later. So we get introduced to this weird girl, and it's, it's nothing has happened to Sparky yet. Nothing has happened really in the movie yet. She comes up, and she's like, "Victor, my my cat had a dream about you." And he's like, "What? How do you know?" And she brings out some poop in the shape of a V. Okay, so she establishes in this her, scene like, that cat, her cat is a prophet. And the cat's poo predicts the future. So, like, the cat pooped once and it came out in the shape of a bee. And then, like, something bad happened to Bob. And then (laughs) one time it pooped and it was in the shape of another one and something good happened to somebody else. It's just, like, it's just an omen. Um, So he's like, okay, whatever. He goes to the baseball game. He, you know, like... So his his parents tell him like they we acknowledge that Victor has no f- real friends. He is only really friends with his dog Sparky. And I think you skipped a part here where you skipped a little bit actually where um we're introduced to all of the kids in the class. We're also introduced to I I, the character's name is not Robert. I don't think its name is Robert, but I heard Robert. He looks like Boris Karlov. Um, he's a reference to the mummy, Boris Karlov's mummy. Uh, all these kids are not in, entirely antagonistic towards Victor. And I wrote this down too. Again, a little bit of, of a different Tim Burton choice with the characters. I don't think Victor is like bullied at all. Victor is not a victim of bullying. Everybody like respects Victor. I just think and kind of Victor, likes him. Victor is kind of like the solitary mm-hmm. scientist movie guy. He doesn't really want to hang out. He doesn't want to hang out. The with only reason that these, the only reason that these characters act sort of antagonistic to him, it's not something where it's like we're gonna bully Victor because fucking nerd. No, they like, want to win the science. They want to win the science fair that's introduced by this new science teacher whose name I can't remember, but um, the teacher is a reference. The way he looks is a reference to a uh, old school horror guy named Vincent Price. Um, or if you're watching Scooby Doo, if you're watching Scooby Doo, Brie, Vincent Van Gogh. <laughs> um. Anyway, so the whole like. The catalyst for everything happening in this movie is the science fair that all the kids kind of want to win. For whatever reason, the science fair is like a really big deal. And all the kids have are trying to find different ideas because they all want to win the science fair. And Victor's kind of the only one that's actually really interested and has his heart into science. All the other kids are trying to piggyback off that, which is why... So they, they recognize Victor and respect Victor for who he is and what he does. But the only reason they act mean is because they want what he eventually creates. They want to win. They're all out for their own selfish purposes. So the permission slip is given out by the teacher who's... Um, how would you describe the, the role of the te- or the character of the teacher... He's the one who gives the, a purpose, the whole thing. Yeah, he's kind, he's kind of a dick. Also, but I'll let you know that the person who plays 
Victor Frankenstein is not the kid from the middle. No, that's the, the kid from the middle is uh, Edgar. Edgar. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I thought you said that he was. I said he's in the movie. Oh, okay. Continue. So the teacher starts saying like everything is science. Like he comes in impassioned. He, the way uh, this new science teacher describes things is very impassioned and he's trying to get the kids into science but he's i don't know he's doing it in a way where he's like thinks he's smarter than everybody else of course which is what teachers do come on let's be honest can can confirm am teacher yeah let's be honest here so the permission slips are given out for the science fair and victor brings it to his dad and uh, at first, Edgar wants to team up with Victor, and he wants to build, like, a death ray or something. But He's like, it says right here, no <laughs> death rays. It's specifically listed on the permission slip is no death rays. So Victor brings the permission slip to his dad, and his dad says, I'll sign the permission slip for you, but you have to, like, give baseball a shot. Fine, and Victor's like, baseball fine, a shot. I will give baseball a shot. There, we're at the baseball game. Okay, so we're at the baseball game. Victor... Goes up, his first time going to go hit the ball. Sparky grabs the ball before Victor can hit it. So, like, Victor, you got to tie Sparky up. So, Victor ties Sparky to the bench. Oh, meanwhile, Sparky's, like, also kind of trying to uh, court the the female Van Helsing dog, the poodle. Yes. Very cute. Yeah. Uh, The town loves Sparky. The town is, like super into sparky so like when sparky catches the ball the pitcher is like nice catch they don't get mad at sparky they're just like tie your dog up nice no catch. the no the dad's the one who said oh tie the the, dog i thought up. the the dad yeah so the dad they, he ties the dog up mm-hmm. and victor like knocks one out of the park yeah he does um unfortunately sparky gets loose go, trying to go get the ball he goes into the street he gets hit by a car, and this is where I cried. And this is where Brie cried. Because, I don't know. Because then getting we, emotional right now. We looked at our dog. We looked at our dog, and I'm like, I would kill everyone and then kill myself if anything <laughs> bad happened to my dog. So, like, I understand the emotion behind if you could reanimate your pet, would you do it? Uh, I, uh, Without it turning I am into reminded- a... Yeah, I was going to say, I'm, I'm reminded of the dude from Pet Cemetery. Ah, uh, dad is better. Sometimes dad is better. Because <laughs> <laughs> sometimes dad is better, but as we see in this. However, I just thought, hey, I told, I looked at Anthony, I said, I'd never forgive my dad. Oh, yeah. I oh, said, yeah. I'd never forgive my dad. If, so, dad is the reason they were at the baseball game. Who's the reason Sparky was at the baseball game? Couldn't be left at home. Was it dad? No, it was Victor. Uh, yeah, maybe both share a little blame here. But I definitely, like, I'd be like, Sparky would still be around if I wasn't at this freaking baseball game. If you didn't make me do this baseball shit. And um, kudos to Victor for not blaming his dad. And I just would have. grieving, right? So he goes through this, gr- like, he's sad, he's drawn, Sparky and everything, he's going to, he goes to school, and the science teacher is having a lesson, and it's about how you can make a frog's nerves work with electricity, not, he's not making the frog come to life, he's just, look, with electricity, you can make the 
like you can reanimate the frog. And here is where, or is it here or is it in the other classroom scene where we establish that lightning strikes frequently in the town. And that is what, uh, no pun intended, mm-hmm. the spark that gives Victor his idea. Well, Victor's like, okay, I see this frog and I he draws little like lightning bolts around Sparky and he begins like he takes a bunch of stuff to build like his lab. It's like it's up in the attic. It's like everything that like he needs for this lightning storm. Um, He goes, he digs up his dog. (laughs) (laughs) He puts him on like a gurney and he puts out like the the um, the three the two kites and the umbrella which is exactly what's put out shot for shot mm-hmm. in the live action yeah. it's a bat kite a regular kite and an umbrella mm-hmm. so that was cool and then we get sparky comes alive and there's nothing really wrong with sparky except when he drinks water comes well, out okay so let's talk about how sparky looks because he looks identical to how he did in the live action version. Stitch the hell up. Stitches everywhere. He's got a patch on his back. That looks like it have belonged to like a different animal. Or yeah. Or just it, been fabric. It, yeah, it could have just been fabric. Which I looked at Bree and I was like, this dog had to have been mutilated by whatever car hit him. To a point where he needed to be stitched up that bad. Well, I also think like, okay, so he's been in the ground for a couple days. Maybe in a maybe. box because like dogs don't. And and then I told Bria like nowhere does this idea seem good because if you're thinking if Victor's a scientist and if you're thinking about this scientifically, well, what happens to the brain when it's it it doesn't have blood flow or it doesn't have oxygen for like a long period of time? You go brain dead. You go brain dead. So the fact that Sparky had been like in the ground dead for a number of days, but we get like the explanation. Sparky of wouldn't be Sparky. Sparky is almost the same dog because you, you when you perform the experiment, it was with the right intentions and you did it for. Yeah, we get there eventually. Yeah, so he tries to keep it a secret because obviously, Sparky drinks water, but the water like shoots out of Sparky's um, stitches. Like his, uh, his open wounds. Shot for shot. Same thing that happens in the live action version too. Which you can tell was just like a, a collar that had yeah, water. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Still kind of cool though. Um, We find like... Movie magic. He's tr- he's keeping us a secret but of course the, ca- the weird girl's cat comes by the window and Sparky, being a dog, goes and chases a cat. And that's where the only person who sees him is Edgar. Mm-hmm. And Edgar really wants to be. He wants to win the science wants fair. Wants to win the science fair, wants to be Victor's partner. So he comes kind of blackmails him. He's like, I know what you did. Also, Edgar, like, so all these characters look horrific. Yeah. And he has like a hump. His teeth <laughs> Edgar are like. Edgar looks like Igor from Frankenstein, where he's like got the screwed up teeth, the wide eyes, and the um, hunchback. And he's like always like fiddling with his fingers and his fingers are really elongated elongated and i was like if i was victor's parents like his like his mom invites edgar into the house and i was like if i was victor's parents and my kid brought home that friend i'd be like interesting interesting choice in friends my guy (laughs) um 
But so Victor's like, fine, like we'll be partners. And they reanimate a fish. They do the same experiment on a fish, a dead and, fish. But except the fish, the fish, instead of just coming back to life, turns invisible. Mm -hmm. And that's where you kind of get like where the science teacher tells him like when you brought Sparky back to life, you did it with your best intentions. This reason this one didn't work out the same way is because you're, you're not doing it because you like with good intentions. Prior to this happening, though, Edgar tries to i'm not take credit for the fish but he's showing it off but he's showing it off to all the other kids that are trying to win the science fair and of course those kids want to do the same thing because they want to win the science fair mm -hmm. so that gives them the idea uh and edgar tells them like pretty much how it happened so that gives them the idea to recreate things that that happens down the line but once I forget how we get here because this we watched the movie like two days ago and I forgot. But we're at this like town hall meeting where they're talking about the teacher and they're talking about science. It's because they find out like uh, the Sparky. They people find out about Sparky. Okay, and it's like we can't let this like happen. Like Spark Victor's parents find out about yeah, Sparky too. They found out it was like because Sparky ran. The away neighborhood, yeah. and ran around the neighborhood it was kind of like a big thing like oh we can't let this dog blah 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 but it's like this is just a kid's like it's not doing nothing i made a reference last podcast i think on the licorice pizza podcast to george lucas and saying uh one of like the biggest like famous quotes of george lucas was talking about star wars and he's saying Sometimes things like uh, filmmaking and storytelling, it's poetry. Like, it's not the same, but it rhymes. The reason I bring that up is because while, while this movie is released in 2012, there's this scene at the town hall where the parents are, like, up in arms about what the new science teacher is teaching their kids. And they're all talking about well, it. Well, it's because the kids are talking about reanimation. Yeah. And the parents are upset. My kid comes home talking about this. And it's like, and they're well, like, well, he's not talking about like bringing animals back to life. But he's talking about using electricity to re and like for to show how nerves work. It's not his fault that the Victor took it a step further, like reanimated his dog, brought his dog back to life. And now that's what the kids are actually talking about. It has but nothing to do with the teacher. The reason I bring up the George Lucas quote is because I have to think that some of the stuff that these parents are complaining about is so like applicable to today. Oh, yeah. It, like I wrote down one of the quotes that the parent says, it said, my kid is talking about things I've never heard of. <laughs> god like, forbid yeah and they're like you're telling me pluto's not a planet <laughs> like they go into that and it's like very akin to some of the bs happening in like school board meetings today and it was probably the same bullshit that was probably happening in school when, like, board when we meetings were in when school. we were in yeah. high school it's i think it was definitely a commentary on that wait they're teaching your kids about gay stuff <laughs> What? <laughs> they're teaching our kids sex education. My kid's in kindergarten. Well, they're teaching your kid like good touch, bad touch. Not, exactly. Not like penis this, goes the in same, the vagina. Exactly. And the, I, the reason I say it's like poetry, it rhymes. Because 
the way that these parents are acting towards science is especially is exactly what the teacher talks to them about he's like you are afraid of your own ignorance you don't like this because you don't understand it you're ignorant and I, I feel like that's how it is today with a lot of like oh, yeah. reasons why parents get all up in arms about schools teaching their kids about social issues, for example. Because they're not literate in so social issues. Yeah. You don't understand it. Or they don't want to admit they're on the wrong side of the social issue. Exactly. Exactly. It's like, um, it, it's exactly what this teacher says of you are afraid of your own ignorance. And that's why you're so you're going so crazy about this. He basically says, I am teaching your kids the fundamentals of science. I'm teaching them to question things. I'm teaching them to try. I'm teaching them experimentation. Th what they're doing, like, is not on me, basically, is is what he's saying. Like, this whole reanimation nonsense, I didn't teach them that, but that's the way that they're, they wanted to go mm -hmm. with it. And that's science. That's the, the trial and error of science. And then a part we kind of glossed over was the Sparky and the Poodle. Oh, yeah. Obviously into each other. There's a moment where Sparky and the Poodle touch noses and the Poodle gets a white streak in her black fur, making her the bride. The bride. Yep. I thought that was cute. I was like, oh, it's the bride. And so um, it's very, very cute. So the teacher gets canned and gets fired. So he's on his way leaving, and that's where that scene comes into play where he's about to get in his car, and Victor starts asking him questions like, why did my experiment work the first time and not the second time? And the teacher tells him, did you enjoy doing it the first time? Or did you do it for a reason that you wanted to do it the first time? And he said, yes. What about the second time? No, is that's why. Because the your first time you did it, the first time you did it, your heart was in it. The second time you didn't, the heart wasn't in it. So then that De leads <laughs> to now all these kids are grabbing their dead pets. Yes. And performing the same thing. And they don't have the good intentions. Right? So we have... This third act, BT-dub, is wild. Bob with the sea monkeys. <laughs> they all... they Well, first they break into Victor's... Uh, to, to see how he set just, up. Just to see how he set it up. And this is why I'm saying, like, these kids respected victor and they didn't like bully him and it wasn't like this fucking nerd get out of here and they went in they broke into his attic just to see how he conducted the experiment they didn't break anything they didn't steal anything they, they left everything the way it was and <laughs> so victor's busy trying to find his dog and while these kids are because sparky ran away back to the his grave Sparky's like, why am I alive? Why am I alive? <laughs> so we have Bob with the sea monkeys, Edgar with a rat. Yes, he found just found a rat. Um, Tokuyashi. Tokuyashi has his turtle, turtle. Shelly. Shelly. The and other the kid. Other, the Boris Karlov looking kid. He goes to like this mausoleum. For his hamster. Well, we don't know it's a hamster yet, but he's like, rise, colossus. And you think it's going to be some big thing. And the 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 bit is that it's a hamster. It's a hamster. That's wrapped in. Uh, a mummy. Like it's a mummy. Yeah. And then the weird girl doesn't have a She has a bat. bat. But she ends up 
killing her cat. Yes, she ends up striking her cat. So they all do the same experiment the with lightning. the lightning. The bat. The cat is interested in the bat. The cat puts the bat in its mouth while the lightning strikes, killing the cat. But turning so turns the cat into like this weird bat cat hybrid like demon. Yeah, we have the. Rat turns into like the wolf man. It looks like the wolf man from Nightmare uh, Before Christmas. That's where I thought the wolf man reference was coming in. But it's like a rat. It's a rat. Um, The sea monkeys. Like, Basically the gremlins. Like gremlins. Yeah. they're the, the, These are all references to old school horror movies. Or a creature from the lagoon. You can something. make an argument, I think, for creature. But I would say this is more akin G- to gremlins. gremlins. And then you have the mummy uh yeah colossus Colossus, the mummy and then togoyashi's (laughs) turtle turns into like a kaiju kaiju. yes gamera gamera the turtle and they all are attracted to the like um new holland festival yes where elsa's like the miss new holland and she's like singing and doing like a pageant kind of thing and like they're all talking about like she's singing they're talking about the town and then all of a sudden you get like this giant turtle attack yeah and so then you get sparky has to like save the town so first he like defeats they defeat the wolf rat thing well the wolf rat i mean they're all terrorizing everybody but the wolf rat is the one that goes first it goes first because he bites sparky's bolts on his neck and gets gets electrocuted. electrocuted And then it turns back into just a dead rat. So we, for whatever reason, electricity, getting hit with electricity it's again, death, reverts them. Give it death, take it away. Exactly. And then Colossus gets smashed by the giant, the yeah. giant turtle. Colossus gets smushed. Um, the gremlin types eat popcorn and they explode because they're freshwater sea monkeys. Mm-hmm. And so salt. So they yep. all explode and then they defeat Colossus. No, the turtle. Yes. We defeat Shelly. the turtle, Shelly. How did they do that? I can't remember how they did that. Uh, didn't they electrocute it? I don't remember. Oh, God. This is why we can't record the podcast like days after watching the movie. Because I, I told you I was going to forget some stuff. I don't know why I didn't write that down. Ooh. Um, like, I don't know. Whatever. They defeat it. Who cares? Yes. <laughs> they defeat the turtle. And... Um, the town is saved, except now this bat cat demon creature is still around. I'm the bat, and cat everybody demon thinks creature. that Sparky is like the aggressor here, and they blame Sparky. And then it becomes Frankenstein, where the townspeople they get their torches and they start following Sparky and they uh, trap him inside. Uh, yeah, he was electrocuted. I was right. Gamera. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm glad we. I'm glad we figured that one out. The townspeople, the angry villagers, they all gather to kill Sparky and they lead him into what is it like a windmill? It's because they think he has Elsa and Persephone, the dog. Yes. They think for whatever they, the dog kidnapped the girl, uh, whatever. Yeah, sure. The girl and the poodle, <laughs> Persephone, sure. for, for real. And then we kind the town kind of gets to see like. So Victor saves Elsa. Saves Elsa. And Persephone. And Persephone. The dog. The dog. The bride. Yes. Um, Whereas 
Sparky has a fight with the demon bat thing yes. inside. And he saves Victor. He saves Victor. while, Meanwhile, now it's on fire and it's burning down. And inside, the bat, the cat demon thing gets impaled. So this is part of my question about the movie. I, not a criticism. I'm sure. Whatever. Impaled. But why did that one have to die? Because I was the evilest one. I guess. I guess. I mean, brutally. Just like straight up impaled by... I mean, yeah. I mean... Well, doesn't that go with like... It's kind of like the vampire. So a stake through the heart. Oh, yeah. That Well, it's a bat too. Yeah. So, sure. Let's say vampire. Let's say vampire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's say vampire. Um, Sparky saves the day. However, Sparky is also kind of dead. Too. And then so the whole town kind of like sees Sparky save the day. And they're like, well, he did it once. We can do it again. They all hook up their cars to the bolts on Sparky. And they kind of like all turn their batteries on at the same time. Gives a, like a jolt of electricity. It doesn't seem like it works. So Victor's like crying by his parents. And he's upset. And it's like, it's okay. It's like, it's going to be okay. And then I cried again. She's going to cry right and now. And I'm going to cry right now. Because I'm like, <laughs> I would kill everyone and then myself again. Because like, there's my dog. And then Sparky kind of like wakes up. And that's the end of the movie. And that's like the end. Where there's like a happy ending where now we have. But then I, my argument is, what happens when like you get old and die and then Sparky's like alive? <laughs> Sparky's so, immortal now. Like, yeah. Sparky's like forever. Sparky is forever. Uh, Victor's kid. Yeah. Would inherit Sparky. I was like, this dog will live with us forever. Forever. Um, what did you think about the ending? Do you think Sparky should have came back? Yeah. Because that's how it is in the I know that action. that's how it is in the original one. But that would have been a bummer. Of, that would have been a bummer. We don't want, we the, don't end movies with bummers. If this wasn't a Disney movie, I would say for the sake of Victor's character development, I don't know if Sparky should have come back because I think like the development of Victor's character should have been to accept that Sparky is is not there anymore. However, we no, wanna, we, <laughs> <laughs> no, shut up, Anthony, shut up, Anthony, no, <laughs> dingus. We like it. We like it. We like a nice ending. Yeah, send the crowd home happy. Yeah, send us home happy. Because I would not be happy. I'm like, I can't watch a dog die twice. I I'm want to assume, and I don't know for sure, but I want to assume that that's the conflict that the writer probably had, where it's like, oh, Victor Victor's character would develop so much in the antithesis or the uh, the synthesis of the movie, having experienced that loss again and learning to accept that loss instead of. Oh, I can just bring him back again. But we want to send the crowd home happy. So just bring back the dog. Oh, yeah. Don't, Everyone will be Don't pull a Marley in me. That movie, I will never watch again. I was inconsolable for two hours. I watched Marley and me. I cried for two hours. I don't watch dog movies anymore. Oh, no. After that, I was like, I'm not watching any dog movies. We'll movie. never review. This is the only dog movie. I will we'll never review. review I will never review a dog. Because I knew that the movie ending was happy. You know? But you did look at me in the beginning and you're like, said, realizing that the dog had to die for it to be Franken. <laughs> I said, oh God. I was like, because I, I remember the movie. I said, not only does this dog die the first time, it dies again. And, and then I, you're like, and a bunch of other animals die too. <laughs> and I was like, this is not a good time for me. But I do think that like, this is a movie in which if, so like it does play with dark themes. It plays with themes of death. Mm-hmm. 
at what age do we show this to kids? I don't know. I think death is an important conversation to have with kids very young because I don't know. Who, the my first experience with death was when I was in fifth grade. My sister was in third grade. You're young, mm-hmm. and I think about. I have a student, former student. Unfortunately, mom has cancer, sure, and she has not told her kids about her fate, like her, like terminal diagnosis. And I think like not telling someone you're gonna pass, and like preparing kids for death. Like preparing your kids for that reality of, hey, I'm not going to make it. And like kids can under, like kids aren't stupid. Like give kids credit. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I think kids do see all that stuff in media anyway. But it's the confrontation of can this happen in my life? That is the discussion that you need to have with kids. So maybe this is. Uh, a movie in which you can use to bring up that conversation of death death is inevitable and death well I wouldn't say that to a kid but (laughs) (laughs) Um, death is the part of life yeah definitely part of life I just wanted to say what the intended horror movies are for the different creatures so um, Whiskers holds a dead bat that's the cat Um, while while he's electrocuted resulting in him becoming a vampire feline Okay, so vampire. Yeah. The dead rat becomes a were rat. Yep. I, fi- I caught that one. The mummified, it's a, mi- the a mummified hamster. hamster. The turtle was covered in miracle grow. That's why it grew oh, so big. Oh, I didn't realize big, that. Gamera like monster. Oh, yeah. I, ca- I called Gamera. And Bob's sea monkeys grow into gremlin like amphibious humanoids. Mm-hmm. So we have all those gremlins. Um, we have Dracula. There's a lot, there's so many references to old school horror. I wouldn't say Gremlins is old school horror, but... I would say old school enough. Old, well, today's day and age, yeah, yeah. 2022. I mean, it was Ten years new. removed from the movie I was like, it, it, it knew, was new to me when I was young, and I was like, this is scary. When did you see Gremlins for the first too time? Too young, too young. So did I, man. I remember too watching young. that movie, and I was maybe like seven. I was like, ah, oh, I'm scared. I think Gremlins was like my first scary movie. That and Signs, because my parents oh, are I w- terrible I just parents. I recently told you the other day, oh, we should watch Signs. I said no. I was like, like, I don't. Just for that one scene where he's watching the videotape. I just, I can't because science scared me so much as a kid Mm because my parents made me watch it. And we were at the campground and you know what's the campground surrounded by? Corn. Corn. Corn (laughs) on every freaking side of the campground. And I'm like, I was terrified. I was like, to this day, I'm terrified. Mm -hmm. So that is, uh, that's it for Frank and Weenie. I hope Uh, you enjoyed because we enjoyed like this director series i think this was a real fun time for anthony it's, with pta it was a real fun time for me with one of like my all-time favorites tim burton and we're so excited to have shared this like journey with you and we can't wait to share next week our this, this uh, <laughs> uh, anthony's giving me like the stop because uh, like he hates when i take over no 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 i i like when you i love when you take over i love when you Liar. take over except <laughs> You're wrapping it up when we still have, a, I still have a question for you. Oh, the question is what? Does it make your top 100? No, because I can only pick one and I already picked Beetlejuice. Okay. I liked it though. I liked both. I liked the 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 live action, which was only 25 minutes. So it held my attention for longer. I mean, they both held my attention. I liked both. But after watching like a 90-ish minute movie, 
and then having to watch another 25 minutes i was surprised it kept me interested mm-hmm. um does not make my list too. I, thanks I, for asking i, I, I didn't <laughs> think so i didn't ask yeah. but i didn't think so it did not make my list um i don't i don't think i should give it an honorable mention either not that i didn't like it but i you know there are better Tim not Burton. your cuppa there are better Tim Burton movies. It was nice to do Paul Thomas Anderson and Tim Burton juxtaposed with one another because we go from melodrama and uh, seriousness to zany. To Could be crazy, exactly. And that because I would argue even. Um, Sweeney Todd is zany, kooky. Even though it is melodramatic crazy, in, crazy. in a sense. But it still has the zany and the kooky and the craziness of a Tim Burton movie. Exactly. Um, so we're not going to, I mean, we're not going to compare directors. We're not going to say one's better than oh, the other. Oh, no. Both. Both are great. Great in their own right. Great at what they do. I'm excited that we had this opportunity to share with you um, this. We can't wait to share our next series with you. Okay. Yeah. So let's talk about what's upcoming. So... Next weekend. Next weekend, we have Jurassic World Dominion. And then we're taking a break. We'll take a break for a week. And then we will get into our actor series, where Anthony has chosen... Uh, Adam, The works of Adam Sandler. And, and I, I have a specific theme that I'm going to okay, cover throughout theme. Adam Sandler. You don't have a theme with Meryl. You're just covering Meryl's greatest hits. I love... No, I'm, I'm not covering Meryl's greatest hits. I'm covering Brianna's favorite Meryl. Oh, okay. Because, yeah. like, there's... Meryl, she's doing Meryl Streep. I, uh, yeah, sorry, Meryl Streep. I bulldozed you right there. <laughs> yeah, jerk. <laughs> uh, I wanted to have someone Meryl's younger, mm-hmm. um, but I also want to really highlight Meryl older, and the, which is mo- most of our Meryl movies are when she is older, because I feel like Meryl really becomes her own as she gets older. M- Meryl is like... Um... Like, no one appreciated her while she was young. Exactly. She, be- now- she becomes Academy Award winning Meryl Streep. Like, that reputation as she ages, ages and go- goes later in her career. So, it'd be- it's cool to see, or it's going to be cool, because I haven't seen some of the movies that are on we the have, list. Uh, we have do you, a do you romantic give, comedy. Do you want to give the list right now? Do I have it written down? Do you remember it? I have it written down somewhere, but I don't... Um, like remember you don't remember your list i like give me a second so i'll cover adam sandler real quick while she's getting movies are you gonna go over okay so my theme for our series of adam sandler movies we each chose four movies for our respective actors and actresses adam sandler's theme that i want to cover is growing up with adam sandler how adam sandler teaches us how to grow up so a couple movies that i've chosen um to cover for the adam sandler series the first movie is Billy Madison. Great film that um, is literally about growing up. Second movie I wanted to cover was um, The Wedding Singer. Again, Adam Sandler showing us what it's like to grow up in terms of having a relationship. Third movie I wanted to cover is Adam Sandler in Big Daddy. Adam Sandler teaching you how to be a father or a stepfather. Uh, And then the fourth movie is more recent, one of my favorite movies that I've seen recently, but also in line with the theme of not only Adam Sandler teaching us how to grow up, but Adam Sandler himself as an actor growing up is Uncut Gems. Uncut Gems. 
Okay, Tom. Yeah. So those are those are our four for the uh, Sandler series. Um. So for Meryl, uh, I just, you know, got my head back together. I have one movie that I'm not so sure of. I have two possible ones that we'll have to figure it we'll, out. Well, yeah. So okay. we're going to start with Death Becomes Her because 1992, like uh, my first introduction to Meryl Streep um, because Goldie Hawn's in it. And my mom's like a huge Goldie Hawn fan. So it's mm-hmm. good. It's good. And then we're going to do The Devil Wears Prada. I've never seen it. I'm excited. It's based off like a real person. Mm-hmm. And then it's complicated. Never seen it. Which is the rom-com. She stars opposite of Alec Baldwin. Okay. So you got <laughs> Sure. You got the Baldwin. And then the last the movie Baldwin. The the last movie is where I struggle because there's so many later Meryl movies. Like Anthony wanted Julia and Julia. I did suggest Julia Julia. Because he's like, oh, so good. And then I was like, oh, Ricky and the Flash. Well, you're going with Ricky and the Flash? I was thinking that way. I've also a, never seen it. I think that would be a really good That's one. That's more watch. recent, Meryl. That's 2015. Yeah. I was like, we got to go more recent, Meryl. Because I didn't want to do. I do think you're missing out with Julia Julia, though, because she won an Oscar for that role. And we might have to watch it because. We it, might have to have a special episode. Yeah. For it. We might have to have like a. a fifth Meryl. A fifth, fifth Meryl movie. <laughs> well, if I get a fifth Sandler, I'm, I'm going into um, Happy Gilmore. Yay, I've seen that so many times. I know. Or um, I was thinking of uh, Rain Over Me, too. Oh, that's, that's a good one. That's more of a serious one. I would I would watch that again because I've seen it. I really like that one. Mm-hmm. I think that's more serious Sandler. I like a serious Sandler. We do love serious Sandler. Or I can go with uh, Sandler on his paid vacations in like Grown Ups 2, which I was considering doing the Grown Ups because in line with the theme, but I didn't want to do both of them. And I do like Grown Ups 2 better than Grown Ups 1. <laughs> Maybe we do here's all why, the Grown Up movies. And here's why I like Grown Ups 2. Better than Grown Ups 1. Not to, like, detract too okay, much. but Grown Ups 1 is fine on its own, but Grown Ups 2, you get, like, the uh, Adam Sandler universe in there. Where it's, like, every actor that Adam Sandler has worked with in the past that he loves working with, they're all in this movie. And it's, like... Adam Sandler created a town full of all of the actors. So he, he could hang with. out with his friends exactly. for weeks. This is like the Happy Madison like universe that this guy has built. And I think Grown Ups 2 is really good because it's... I, I guess you could just tell that they're having a good time. I feel like, all, like Adam Sandler enjoys his stupid movies because it's like you get to have fun. You get to He just- has said before that he does love doing dumb comedy movies because it's like a paid vacation. He's good at it. It's lo- it's not a lot of work for him. He gets to just be himself and he gets to hang out with his friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can't argue with that. We'll, we'll consider if we want to do a fifth of we'll have to see. later on. But I, I just have that horrible, like I want, Ricky and the Flash is very new, 2015. I haven't seen, I haven't seen really, I've seen Death Becomes Her, but I haven't seen any of the other Meryl movies. I really love It's Complicated because she plays like, okay, because in Julia and Julia, she plays a, a chef, Julia mm-hmm. Child. Yeah. In It's Complicated, she has a, she is a baker and she makes delicious food and it all looks so good. You just want to watch it because of the foods, huh? I'm, we, okay, I just had an idea that we go <laughs> to that bakery 
by our house and we get like a croissant or something. So <laughs> a croissant? While we watch the movie, we get to eat a pastry. Okay. All right. Well, we should wrap it up, Brie. Um, this has been a super fun. I'm excited to share with you um, Jurassic Wor- World Dominion. Dominions. Coming next week. And then we're going to enjoy a much needed week off. Yes. So that we can watch some movies and pre-record podcasts. So we're not oh, yeah. recording like a couple days before the podcast has to go out. It- Listen, Brie, we've come so far because it took us a long time to kill those Halloween movies and the Jurassic Park films. And we're finishing up our second series, which is... uh, Bittersweet. Bittersweet, but also it's one of those things where... Sometimes when we start these series, I'm like, man, are we ever going to get through it? And we did. We and, got it through. Yeah, we and with like the Jurassic World Dominion one being pre like recorded and then taking a week off, like we might be able to knock out a, like a few of our movies for our next one mm-hmm. coming out. And I'm kind of excited to kind of be ahead a little bit, especially as you go back to school. Yeah, for sure. Even though I'll be home just like collecting dust. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm I'm pretty excited. I'm you know the podcast has been anthony's dream for a long time and he told me about like i don't want to do this dream without you and like that's the reason i'm here because not only do i love watching movies and love hearing myself talk but i love the man across the table from me and i love seeing like his dreams come true well it well thanks (laughs) well thanks um it was one of those things where not to keep us longer than I know we should going, wrap up, but he's but gonna say his piece. There, it's one of those things where whenever Brie and I watch a movie, we always like have conversations about it, and we dissect it, and we talk about the movies. And I was like, I've always wanted to do a podcast, host a podcast, and we've talked about hosting a podcast before in the past, but we didn't know really know where to focus on. Like we wanted to do one that was like pro wrestling based. We wanted to do one that was like pop culture based, just us talking, not really anything. And then I was like, why don't we just do movies? Because we already have these like really interesting conversations between the two of us. Like, let's just record it and release it. Oh yeah. And this is, you get like a little snippet of like what goes on with us talking about movies. Like, you have to know, like, we do this after watching everything. Oh, yeah. Like, TV, we've movies, been, Yeah, like, anything. we've been on the bar rescue on Paramount Plus lately. And- like, we never <laughs> stop talking because, like, Anthony's my best friend. So, like, it's easy to talk to him. I agree. Same, same-sies, Brie. Same-sies. And with that, um, we will bid you a farewell and a see you next week. Uh, if you want to follow us on any of our socials, you can follow us on Instagram at review underscore pod, right? That's it. Yeah. And then you can follow us, uh, follow me on Twitter at GLDTV1. Brie, where can we find you? So you're going to hook up your dead pet, wait for a lightning storm, send out three kites, the pet's going to get electrocuted, explode, and then there will be my Twitter handle. Okay. So easy enough, easy, easy enough. enough for everybody. Yes. Um, well, Brie, that's it for our uh, director's series. So maybe we'll do another one of these in the future. But uh, I think we, you know, have something good planned for the uh, next few weeks. So come on back next week and we will be reviewing Jurassic Park or Jurassic World Dominion. With that, we will bid you a farewell. I am Anthony. I'm Brie. And this is the Review Podcast. We will see you next week. Skip beep 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 beep. Review podcast, yeah.